Success is really about which environment activates your potential. It's not like one path is right. It's about finding what, what kind of gets you excited, that fits with who you are, the company culture fits, and then you're gonna be activated to achieve your potential. Tim Cook, Warren Buffett, Larry Page, Jeff Bezos, these are CEOs of the world's largest companies, and some of them are really well-known, superstars in their own right. Is there anything we can learn from their stories that might suggest lessons about how they made it to the top of the corporate ladder? Kim Whitler is a marketing professor at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business. She counsels students all the time about their career choices, and she decided to figure that out. I'm Sean Carr. Welcome to the Darden Ideas to Action podcast. Over the past few years, Kim has looked into the education and career choices of every chief executive from the Fortune 100, a list of the very biggest public and private companies ranked by revenues. And she's made some surprising discoveries. Hi, Kim. Welcome. So tell us, what have you learned? If you look at the Fortune 100, Many of the CEOs, most of the CEOs had a very long career at that company. 80% had worked at the company that they currently were CEO at for more than 10 years. 80% more than 10 years. 9% had worked at that company at which they were CEO for more than 40 years. Now, we don't think of careers having that type of a long arc anymore. But in fact, to run the world's most complex, most global companies, it appears that to have a lot of experience in that firm is beneficial. I know you looked at the educational path of the CEOs of the top 100 companies. What did you learn there? One of the things that really surprised me is that at the undergraduate level, 89% of the Fortune 100 CEOs graduated from non-Ivy League schools. So, okay, they didn't come from Ivy League, but maybe they came from the world's best public institutions. So let me just give you some of the schools that the top 10, the top 10 of the Fortune 100 CEOs graduated from. Doug McMillan, Walmart, number one company, University of Arkansas. Number two, Darren Woods, ExxonMobil, Texas A&M. Number three, Warren Buffett, University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Tim Cook, Apple, Auburn University. Number five, Illinois State University, then University of Minnesota, University of Pittsburgh. The anomaly here is Jeff Bezos, Princeton. But number nine is University of Central Oklahoma, and number 10 is Kettering University. Interestingly, you know, these are terrific institutions, but not many on kind of the top ranking list, and yet they really did a good job of preparing these individuals to go on and succeed at the very highest level. What do you think is going on there? That's really interesting. It defies expectations, right? I think that to helm very complex, very big, very important companies, you have to have developed a lot of skill and experience matters. We're in a culture where we want it now. And I think that many of, of the individuals who are coming from these different schools perhaps had the patience to wait the 40 years to helm one of the world's largest companies. You looked at undergraduate education. You also looked at graduate degrees, right? How did that play into the picture that you discovered? 
So of the Fortune 100, 54% had graduate degrees. Of these, 69% attended private schools. And then they earned a variety of graduate degrees. So, you know, the most common degree is the MBA, but some did earn JDs and some earn MAs and MSs. Um, interestingly, about 5% had PhDs or other types of degrees. Seven of the CEOs had graduated with a graduate degree from Harvard, five from Penn, three from Columbia, and then proudly I can say two came from University of Virginia, two from University of Wisconsin, and two from Stanford, and two from Northwestern. So what's interesting here is that perhaps going to these larger graduate schools, the brands enabled them to go on to work at some of the most desirable companies. That's only a hypothesis. I don't have the evidence, but that's a hypothesis. What a student studies, did that seem to matter, at least among the top 100 CEOs? There are some companies and industries where it appears that it's very helpful to have a degree that's directly related to the business, and there are others where it's not. So let me give you a few examples. In tech, it appears you really want a degree that's related to tech. So Apple's Tim Cook has a degree in industrial engineering. Alphabet's Larry Page, a degree in computer engineering. IBM's Virginia Ramati, computer science, electrical engineering. HP's Dion Weisler has a degree in computing. And Bezos focused on electrical engineering, computer science. So you see a pattern there. But in contrast, what I find really fascinating are the companies where the CEOs don't have degrees in fields that are directly applicable. For example, Goldman Sachs CEO. What would you think a Goldman Sachs CEO would have a degree in? I would assume finance or at a minimum math or econ. Okay. Lloyd Blankfein has a degree in history. I love that. So does Bank of America's Brian Moynihan. Anthem CEO Gail Boudreaux studied psychology and sociology, and Lowe's Marvin Ellison got a degree in marketing. Both Nike's Mark Parker and Target's Brian Cornell received degrees in political science. So one of the things I advise students to do is to go look at who's at the top. And if you're in an industry where there's a clear pattern, then if you don't have that degree, it may potentially put you at a bit of a disadvantage, or at least you need to go learn that language. But in contrast, if you work in an industry where all the CEOs have different degree backgrounds, then it appears that they're looking for horsepower and they can teach you what you need to know as long as you have the talent, the motivation, drive, and ability to learn. So what did you learn from looking at the early career history, I mean, first job, second job, functional area of those Fortune 100 CEOs? Across the Fortune 100, they come from all of the different functions, their first career choice. When they first left school, 25% started in an operations role, 22% finance, 17% engineering, 13% sales and marketing. But, you know, even 3% started in kind of management roles or consulting roles. You have people starting in law and accounting. And so it's across all of the different functions you can get to the C-suite. What I think is interesting is that that might be where they start, but but they bounce across almost all of the different functions between before they become CEO. They have to demonstrate an ability to understand all of the different levers of a firm and how they integrate to lead a firm effectively. And so it's just a starting point. But again, because our students are yearning for the one right path, I was curious to see, is there one right path? And the answer was no. You can get to the CEO's job being a lawyer, an engineer, a marketer, 
somebody in finance, you can make it. Can you give a, an example of, of a CEO, a top CEO who bounced around, but bounced around inside a company uh, as opposed to jumping from one to another? If you look at Doug McMillan, I love his story. He's president and CEO of Walmart. He started in 1984 as an hourly summer associate in a distribution center while also pursuing his MBA. Um, ultimately, and here's what it says on his bio, ultimately he serves senior lead roles, quote, in all of Walmart's business segments. So the point is, is that you don't get there unless you really understand the business. There are some anomalies where they bring people in from the outside, but it's predominantly, you have to, you have to understand deeply the complexity of the business before you're handed, you know, the reins. Given everything you've learned, both from this research and your own personal experiences, how does that translate into the advice you might give? The short answer is that there are many paths to success. And I think the most important element is to be happy. Because when you're happy, you work harder, you have a better attitude, you know, you come into work feeling grateful for what you're given, you're not resentful. Attitudinal behaviors and hard work come from really enjoying what you're doing and feeling like you're being invested in, that you're growing, that your talent is growing, that you're going to have better future prospects because all those things are happening. So if you go into work and you hate every minute of it, it's going to be very hard to become very competent at it. If you go into work and you're like, I want to learn more, and you look up and it's 11 p.m., you're like, shoot, I have to go to sleep. It's, these are two extremes. You're just going to want to invest more and you're going to become better at it. You're going to think harder about it. And all of your energy is going to be positive. All of that stuff makes you more competent, more capable, and it makes you a better employee. All of it leads to, then to success. So my advice is, is kind of go find your own path. And, and importantly, do not follow the salmon. You have to find your own path and not follow everybody else's path. Thanks, Kim. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I'm Sean Carr, and that's it for today's Darden Ideas to Action podcast. Kim Whitler is a professor of marketing at the Darden School of Business. She studies marketing strategy with a focus on understanding how board and C-level roles and characteristics impact marketing performance. Join us next time for more research, analysis, and commentary from faculty and experts at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business, or learn more now at ideas.darden.virginia.edu.